This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hello, my name is Taylor Culver. I'm the founder of Xenodata Partners. And what I love about travel is it brings you different perspectives, uh, enabling you to learn new things. Hi, I'm uh, Mike McDowell. I'm a friend of Taylor and former uh, director of customer value and insights and innovation architect for Hertz uh, Car Rental. What I love about travel is uh, not only the experience, but the people. Uh, meeting new people and getting their take on, on things that I have a view on uh, is, uh, is fantastic. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Taylor, Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Welcome, guys. And uh, I'd like to uh, remind everybody of who that other voice is. That's <laughs> Anthony DeRico. He is a, a former... Uh, guest on this show and now sitting in the guest host chair how how quickly we climb it's a good question. <laughs> absolutely rising stars here <laughs> at right. uh, travel is your business thank you for uh for joining us today again i really appreciate it Thanks. uh i'm mark rako uh, the producer of travel is your business uh john Matson is traveling right now how appropriate and uh best isn't able to be with us today so uh, anthony and i are gonna try to carry the weight of this conversation. Uh, so let's uh, dive in. Uh, Taylor and Mike, um, you're doing something very interesting. You're doing data in a different way. Uh, and travel is a particularly strong interest for you. You're playing in a, you're pretty vertical agnostic in your business. You're, you're, anyone who has a data need that matches your product, you're interested in talking to. But travel has a special place in your heart. Why is that, Taylor? Sure. Yeah, great question. So I actually grew up in travel. Um, I'm one of those people who's been to 45, 50 countries. Uh, my first jobs in my career were at Hertz. Uh, I got to work on their corporate development team where I got to see a, a bunch of different acquisitions globally. Um, really, at the end of the day, uh, data needs to be valued as a strategic asset within any firm. And if we're not looking at data within our firms as just that, we're, we're missing out on a tremendous opportunity. Now, data is just, you, it's hard to turn left or right without running into someone that's doing something with data these days. How, what is it that you were doing that is so different, so, so special that it overcomes the friction of someone just going, oh, my God, another data company. Sure. Why are you doing something that people go, listen, you really need to hear about this? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so when you work with a lot of companies, they spend millions, tens of millions of dollars on data-related initiatives, hiring the right people, putting in technologies. But at the end of the day, a lot of these companies aren't getting the value out of these systems or teams that they expected when they went in. So the challenge that we're really trying to help organizations solve is getting the business engaged in data. We'll, we'll find ourselves in situations where, hey, this company's invested $10 million and has three people's using a solution that no one else understands, right? One of the biggest opportunities that organizations are missing today is really engaging the business and defining what they really need to solve with data. And I think we're finally getting to a point where the talent in today's labor force is versed well enough on data so they can actually ask the right questions of the technology teams. And that's and that really is is so true, what Taylor's mentioning there, that 
every team's got a dashboard and they've got their reds and their greens and this is performing great and that's performing poorly. But then what do you do with that information and how do you interpret it and how do you develop your next-gen product based on what you're seeing? And do you actually know what any of this really means? Yeah, it means we're making less money this month than we we're making last month. But why and what are the trends that, uh, that are leading to that? And how do we actually take these bars and charts and graphs and actually apply it to a story that is our real customer coming to our business and transacting with us and either being successful or not being successful? And one of, one of the strengths of a good data analyst is not just the ability to write reports, but it's the ability to actually interpret that information and then provide sound recommendations on this is what you need to be doing. This is where you need to put your bullseye. Yeah. And, and, and in travel, where do you see those biggest pain points happening? Right? Because people are always talking about data. It pops up time and time again. And that's a great overview that you guys gave. But like, tell the audience like where you're seeing you know boots on the ground like this needs help now yeah absolutely so so i've spent the past 18 almost 24 months now researching for opportunities within the travel space uh, to help uh, organizations improve their data and really the number one complaint i get are enterprise problems right legacy systems or failing integrations or uh, concerns over uh, buzzwords like personalization ml or ai and for me all those issues are really just solvable by those teams currently as they stand today. Uh, in my opinion, the problem is the fact that you've got this pricing team, you've got this loyalty team, right? And you've got this finance team and the three of them are probably not working together. And the three of them are probably telling each other they can do it better than one another. That's kind of the first observation I saw. And then the second thing is that when it comes down to marketing, especially within loyalty programs around data, cleaning and enriching the contacts database, right? making sure that that address is right, being pre precision point accurate on that, it, 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 I'm seeing as a miss. I mean, how many companies are out there using reference data to actually improve mailers? Simple things, email, simple things, but these are data-related issues. Kind of has something to do with personalization. I don't know if it has anything to do with ML or AI, but it is one of those opportunities that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I mean, and you want to talk low-hanging fruit, just, I mean... What's the last travel website that you used? Anthony? The last travel website. I actually just uh, used um, Italy Rail because I'm going on a trip in a couple months. Did, did it go perfectly? Like, was there any problems on the website? Did you have any snafus or hangups? Um, it was pretty seamless. I kind of didn't like the fact that I had to go off of my mobile device onto my laptop. Okay. Because um, the user experience was a little bit wonky. And I actually told them about that. But I, I Right. Like, so there's probably a lot of other customers like you, or that's a fairly complex problem, multi-device and so on. But there's so many simple problems on travel sites that, I mean, they're right there at the, in the data. You can see X percentage of customers faced this situation then they abandoned or they were on this page for so long. Very simple things that a lot of, not just travel, I mean, any, any site for that matter. I mean, they focus on the big things, but then these tiny things tend to slip through the cracks. And I was just, I was literally just having a conversation earlier this morning about something I wrote about JetBlue, um, their sign-in experience. Such a simple problem. When their sign-in page loads up, you, you instantly start typing your email address to log in. You're a loyalty member. You do this all the time. As soon as their page finishes loading, it automatically blanks out the email address field while you're in the process of typing it and gets rid of the cursor. So it's it's a trivial little problem that a member is going to experience every single time they come to your site. And there's data about that, I'm sure. Uh, it's very easy to track, very easy to fix. 
So um, that, that's just another example of low-hanging so, fruit and one travel space. So example. is it is it is it these little problems that you're helping address within these larger enterprise type companies, or is it looking like more big picture? And it's, then how do you address it organizationally, or both? It, it, it's, it's a combination of both, right? Because what I usually run into is they've done a lot of work but it hasn't been with business purpose. So you really need to focus on narrow, scopable projects that drive tangible business benefit. And where I've seen travel companies excel is they've been able to leverage tools and technologies like blockchain or AI, but they've done it in small, minute little ways. They're not trying to build the platform of platforms to Uber this or Airbnb this. It's, hey, I'm just gonna create an exchange between one of my partners to transact loyalty points on blockchain. Not many people are talking about it, but people are doing it. Two, okay, great. I'm using AI or ML to dish out uh, personalization offers for my casino, right? If I send, uh, let's say, a, a $50,000 credit to someone like me, I'm probably going to spend $49,000 of it and leave Vegas with the biggest <laughs> smile on my face. And that happens, right? Because it, it, sometimes it makes mistakes. But if you're able to have precision level analytics and confidence in that data quality, those are actual examples of high-level analytics that large brands are doing today, but that are flying under the radar. Isn't it though as simple as something like the CEO of a company actually just going through the user experience themselves and seeing like, this isn't working. I need to tell somebody well, I, in my company. Yeah, but that assumes that it wasn't thoughtfully created in the first place and that the CEO wasn't involved in that process. A lot of times companies, they think that is a good experience. The, well, and, I'm just asking and, a stupid and, question. Like maybe no. I yeah, mean, and, and I mean, even focus groups may may have not had a problem with it just because of the group of people that were in the focus group. One of one of the uh, one of the misleading bits of data that comes out of user experience testing and focus testing is when you ask a customer, "Was was this an easy experience for you?" and they go, "Yeah, yeah, it was fine." The the end user tends to blame themselves when they can't make a, a website or an application work. They don't blame the company. They think, "Oh, I must have did this wrong. I'm sure it's fine, but it was me." So even if the CEO does go through the experience, I mean, I've, I've seen those where they go, this is horrible. Uh, but <laughs> the, the a CEO, lot of times... The CEO saying that? Yeah, yeah, the CEO or another CEO coming out and reaching out to you and then, you know, being on the front lines, you have to address, you know, that. Like, that's kind of vague. What does that mean? Um, but yeah, it's, the CEO could very easily just think, well, I'm not a technology person, so this is not this is not for me, and and it was probably my fault. So they don't they don't even say anything. It, it's it, it's not hard to identify the problem, right? At every company you walk into, I don't care what company it is, someone's complaining about data, right? The reality is is that if you want to go f solve these minute little issues, right, which to many people are afterthoughts or oh I'm not interested in that, you actually need to engage multiple parties because only people know what the data means and where it's located, right? It's really engaging these cross-functional teams managing them well to solve process-related issues. And that's really what's going to help organization maximize the value of their data. But today, there's a lot of finger pointing. So uh, why is your company and really the, the two of you in terms of, uh, you know, Taylor, the work that you're doing, and then um, with Mike's mentorship and, and support and friendship in the process here uh, as an informal uh, attache to the company. You, you want to adopt like that? that attache. That's good. I like that. I need a briefcase and a. And a uh, it's yours. Uh, who doesn't want a business card with attache? Uh, maybe at international, like, yeah. international attache. Yeah. yeah. Um, why you guys? Why do you? Why are you the the guys that can go to JetBlue, for example, and say 
we figured out something you haven't figured out, and you should be listening to us, and oh, by the way, we know how to solve this. What is so special about you guys and the work that you're doing that allows you to have insights that big brands are missing? Right. Well, it's domain experience across multiple industries. Like I was saying early on is that data is a problem that everyone has and everyone's solving it a little bit differently. Loyalty isn't a problem that's exclusively an issue of airlines, right? And and, and everyone's dealing with P&L related issues. So I, I think that what makes us unique is that we not only have travel-related experience, but we also have experience in a lot of different verticals uh, aren't data-related issues. Yeah, and, and and to put a finer point on, you know, Taylor's vision is very, uh, it's very expansive. Most companies, when they look at their data, they're very insular. They're thinking about, oh, this is my data. This is me. Uh, how do How do I fix this for me? But they're not thinking about how does this integrate with other companies across my industry? How do hotels data get their data integrated with car rental? How does the flights, you know, you book your flight, then you book your hotel. Does something about that flight booking actually inform the experience on the hotel site that maybe they can upsell you because you got a first class seat? So you should get a you should get a better room. Same thing with car rental. Pushing it down the stream. You know, we're not that or they're not transferring data back and forth. No one's really thinking about it that way to help shape one experience down the line from the one you had before it. And and even just when you talk about loyalty, combining elements of loyalty across brands, across, uh, across industries in terms of the vertical to see. Yeah. How are you able to get these conversations started with these brands uh, and, and these companies? Because the travel industry is notoriously famous for being antiquated, uh, and, and slow to move. And many of the leaders of the bigger brands are old school uh, and and taking time to adopt to 21st century thinking. Um, and thankfully, there's guys like you that are, are trying to educate and enlighten and sh- and show, um, you know, the, the impact that that wider thinking can have. How are you able to get their attention? Sure. Uh, which I think is useful information for anyone with a solution that can apply to the travel industry. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and, and it, they are definitely laggards in the space when it comes to innovation around data. When you think about it, financial services, pharmaceuticals are really running the, the show here. Um, <clears throat> CPGs are starting to kind of come over that 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 hurdle right now. So Plus I don't, there's a tech stack issue too. Right. Integrating right, into that. Right, right. So they are limited by some of the problems they have with just traditional IT issues. I Look, at the end of the day, we're not out there selling anything. We're just presenting the issue that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity within the travel space to think about how you manage your data across all your different data silos within your organization, pricing, loyalty, all these different pieces of the puzzle, because today there's not even a conversation having about it. I, I don't want to go out here and say, hey, AI, personalization, all these things. I, I Look, let's clear the noise a little bit. Let's start talking to one another, seeing where this data comes together, and we can actually start doing new and unique things. And I think, I mean, just to, you know, a little, little Hertz plug here. I mean, some of the companies are actually getting a little bit smarter with the people that are being put into higher, higher positions. So, you know, the guy, Jayash Patel, who's running the Hertz, uh, the Hertz brand now, he's a senior vice president in charge of Hertz brand. He's a data guy. He's, he is a big data scientist type of guy. So you, you have, in addition to that, you have big data teams being put in places, really smart, uh, you know, PhD level people being put in at, you know, traditional travel companies. And, Accessibility is kind of easier than ever with the way that you know, the internet, LinkedIn, things like that. You can you can find people, uh, but the the companies I think they're they're trying to get themselves out of those out of the caves, you know, and uh, they're hiring the right people I think to do that. And it's just a matter of 
you know, bringing that vision to them and, and letting them know what you can connect them with. Are you dealing only with online data? Or are you dealing with data that comes from different sensors or different uh, other data collection points? I mean, I think about just a recent experience I had in travel, just uh, airlines with just an excruciating um, process of, of getting through the gate and on the plane. It was it was maddening how seemingly disorganized and and senseless their process was. And all it did was create this incredible, uncomfortable bottleneck and poorly managed. It was it was shocking actually because it was a major airline. So there seems that there's data points in that situation that could help give feedback in a way that the customer may not have an opportunity to give, especially because once they're on the plane, they're just like, oh, forget about it. I'm not going to communicate this to anybody. There's no way to like communicate with them and say, hey, how was that process of getting on the plane? What could we do better? There isn't that data collection. So how do you deal with those all those other possible sources of data? Right. So so it's funny you actually bring that up because I, I was sitting at a conference and I was listening to the head of pricing at Southwest talk about how one of their greatest challenges is they can't collect data from the moment you scan your ticket to when you actually sit down on the airplane. And there's a lot of process breakdown that happens within the, within that I don't know, five, 10 minutes. Why, why can't they communicate on a lot of these planes with, they've got these interactive TVs. They're able to play games on some of these airlines, like on JetBlue between the seats. So there's <laughs> clearly an interface of some sort. They can't do a little survey when you sit down and make it and gamify it. And so we earn, earn points by participating with that game. It seems it seems it, so obvious. It to is me. pretty straightforward. I mean, it, and it would be very easy. I mean, want, maybe they don't want to. Maybe no one's thought of it. You know, you don't know. I mean, JetBlue. I've great. I mean, I love JetBlue. I have great experiences on JetBlue. I heard you talk about yours uh, in the previous podcast, Anthony. Um, they're great. I mean, so maybe they just think we're great. We don't need to. We don't need to ask, or they don't want to interrupt. It's a survey. I mean, it's it is an interruption. It's an interruption technique. Yeah. But I mean, if you get something from it, like the ability to play a game or something, yeah. I mean, I would answer it. Maybe they're yeah. like, we got you in your seat. We just want you to be happy and relax and forget yeah. there was a problem. <laughs> well, it goes back to my my original question. Though, when we were talking about like, hey, did the CEO look at this? Like, maybe do you think companies just aren't comfortable enough? In terms of asking their customers, because they don't know the question to ask, and they, they don't, don't know, know if they can solve, and they the don't problem. know if they can solve. The, right? If somebody says, I mean, "What are they supposed to do?" It's just right. going to cost them money to integrate new systems to make the customer feel more comfortable. Didn't sell any more tickets. Your plane was full, so well, you know. You know, let me, let me open the kimono a little bit here. I, I've done prospecting work on the travel industry, and relative to other industry, there are so few data professionals. And most of those data professionals manifest as either a data scientist or a BI professional. Think about the problem that you just outlined, right? They need to communicate across the operations, the logistics, the, 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 the people working at the front gate. You've got so many different parties there using so many different systems. Does that one individual have the authority, influence, and ability to actually engage all those different parties to solve that problem. That's one of those things that I, I was kind of highlighting earlier is what is the business problem? Is it something that the CEO cares about? Is it one of these things where they have people under him who are willing to work together to solve this issue? Or is it just going to be continually a conversation like uh, the data is not great? The data is right. not great, you know? Right. Yeah, I think that's what I was right. I mean, that's that's you know, part of the, the just being comfortable, right, with collecting data, because sometimes you're going to get feedback that you don't uh -huh. want, right? You know, there's there's always a story that I think of in the travel industry is uh, Steve Kaufner, who helped found and start Kayak. You know, one of the things he was saying, like, in the early days, they were trying to figure out, you know, how to um, 
you know, innovate in terms of like creating this website that never really existed before in terms of like aggregating like all these data points. And so they had engineers working here and they had customer service reps dealing with all the customer service questions over here. And they were each working in their own silo. And he made all the engineers do the customer service calls. They quickly figured out what needed to be solved. I mean, is that something that travel companies should be thinking more like a startup? It's a good Zappos. Zappos used that technique as well. Everyone's got to train on the uh, customer care end, and they've all got to help out at the holidays. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, again, I'm just going to. It hurts. They, they're kind of integrated marketing. The marketing teams and e-commerce is very. Uh, they sit right next to the customer care group, so it's all part of the same uh, silo to to bring that all together. We we used for years direct, you know, direct uh, communication with our customer care team to tell us what's going. on. We actually there's a team at Hertz called the Web Support Team. And they would always be giving us dynamic feedback about what's going on. And we used to, you know, those, um, oh, this call may be monitored uh, for quality assurance. W they, all of our developers and, and our um, business analysts, product owners would sit in on those calls to listen to what is happening when customers call up to, to actually, uh, not everybody, but when they would call up to say, this is not working. I was on the website. This didn't work. And you go, oh, that, that really is an issue. Um, and even when we would do those customer those customer focus testing sessions, we'd bring developers in, like watch people use what you built and see their problems, see what they like, see what they don't like. Um, the touch point thing, you know, I think, I think that a lot of the travel brands are not used to having a way to talk to customers after you kind of send them on their way. So in car rental, once they get in the car and go, that's kind of it until they come back. They're not used to having a mobile app that you can actually you know, be interacting with them or pitching them or sell, you know, even offering them some uh, other product that they, that they might want when they're in the car, if they're pressing around the buttons and they see that, oh, the satellite radio, I mean, I wanted that, you know, so um, same thing with, with planes, you know, you're on the plane, they've got the screen, they have a whole programmed um, entertainment experience from the, you know, some of them do the, the, the safety messaging through the screen. And then they've got, oh, go to our Wi-Fi. They're selling you, they're selling you credit cards during the flights now. Um, but but they're not just thinking about, let me just get a little bit of feedback in there. I agree with you personally because I feel like I get on the plane, I already paid all this money to be on the plane, and now I have to watch commercials. Uh, even to watch the safety video, I got to like, <laughs> watch commercials, and then they're going to sell me. And what they came around on the flight was, we'll be coming around soon to be selling earphones and selling this. And I'm like, I, I, even if I'm not going to buy one, it's just more take, 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 take from me. If there could be some messaging that's like, listen, by the way, we care about you. We're really interested in who you are and what you're thinking about. And by the way, we're going to reward you for telling us that information. Here's 500 flight miles or whatever the number sure. would be just for telling us what you think, good or bad. We want to hear it. Record a video like you do these safety videos with a friendly person speaking to me, making it fun and turning into an you know create a relationship with me and and you know um, I, I do agree that's missing. So coming up, uh, you'll hear Taylor and Mike discuss how their experiences at Hertz further inspired. Uh, the kind of work that they're doing now and inform them as to some of the issues that need to be paid attention to. That's up next. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. 
Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstopodcast.com. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. How did this company come to be? What, what was the moment that you said, Taylor, this has to happen? I'm going to put all of my energies into this. I don't know if you uh, raise money or bootstrap and self-funded or yep. wh- how this has even come to be. Uh, I assume you uh, – do you have a platform of sorts or, or something? Okay. So how did that – how did it – what's the genesis of the company? What was the moment? Did this cause you to leave Hertz? Sure. sure. Okay. So, <laughs> so I have a job. I have a salary. I'm, I'm going to go and have a startup. And solve a problem. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm going to fund it myself. I'm going to build something. How did that happen? Sure. Uh, so, so it really was a journey of, uh, of frustration. I, I, I started my career in finance. Like uh, I would have been that Excel whiz per se when I first started my career, and uh, I, I got my first exposure to a technology platform while it hurts. And I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be better than Excel. It's you know, it's data, it's analytics. I love this stuff. And I sat down and. I was so underwhelmed by it um, that it, it, it was shocking to me, and and it was really disappointing. And and but over my career, what I wanted to really invest in was understanding, you know, how organizations manage their data, where the value you can extract from data, which ultimately led me to running data for a small technology-enabled services firm. Um, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I can do this for a company, you know, I can lead a team. I think there's a lot of value here, and I think a lot of organizations are missing the simple fact that you know technology alone cannot solve your data issues, right? And I just said to myself, not every company is struggling with this. I've now worked for two companies that have really struggled with this issue, and you know, I started up 18 months ago. I've primarily been bootstrapped offering services, but, you know, big Fortune 500 brands are rallying behind this. It takes a little bit of education. We're really trying to focus on building a brand, not trying to sell you smoke and mirrors. It's it's really a value-based proposition on business impact. And we are seeing results. And we are seeing a lot of people either open their eyes to transforming their business to invest in either platforms or actually just revisit their core business processes and how they think about data within those business processes. And they're seeing economic value come out of it that way. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it was interesting. There was this one day back at Hertz and uh, the CIO at the time, David Trim, he, he, came, he came down to me and he said, there's, there's this guy you have to meet, this guy, Taylor Culver. I was just at this conference with him and he's definitely one of these people to watch. And I think we need to like have lunch with him every month and we should, we should just keep helping him out what he, what he's trying to do. We should help him do it. 
And, you know, whether or not Taylor's been at Hertz or, or elsewhere doing his own thing, I've kind of still tried to maintain a bit of that relationship with Taylor. And he's reached out to me with different questions here and there. And I know, you know, he still works with David as well in advisory capacity. Um, it's, it's just fun to be around excited people who are trying to do something. Um, you spend so much of your life around a lot of, you know, I don't want to use the term clock punchers, but I mean, there's a lot of people who just go to work. They just, they don't really have a particularly vested, passionate, emotional interest in what they're doing. And then they go home. And then there's a subset of the people that actually, they, they really like they're into it every day when they go to work. And, you know, I could see that Taylor is one of these guys. And so when, when he asked for sort of just my input, I was flattered uh, to even be able to, uh, to help a little bit with, uh, with what he's doing, because it's, you know, you got to have vision, but you got to have passion and you got to execute. And, you know, that's what he's trying to do. Right. And, and, and just being totally transparent, I've, I've spent the past, you know, 18, 24 months researching product opportunities within the travel space around data. I've spoken to leaders that you name it, you know, technology platform companies have spoken to hotels, airlines, car rental companies, uh, OTAs. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, you know, I've got this blockchain product and I need a million bucks and it's going to go do this. Right. I, I look the opportunity in the travel space might not be a B2B product. It's in fact services helping enterprise customers achieve the most value out of their data. And I see that as the biggest near-term opportunity for now. And guys, I know services isn't the most glamorous thing, but there is an opportunity there to help travel companies evolve to be doing things as more fashion-forward companies like Amazon and Facebook. Interesting. All right. So this is the part of the show that we're going to get really interesting and, and dive deeper. Um, so this audience that we're talking to, all decision makers and also startup founders. Let's come up with the next big idea, right? What is the opportunity that the travel industry is missing upon that you think somebody could come in and solve for? Sure. I, I mean, it depends on the niche you're looking at. I, I would love to kind of Let's jump. Let's go with car rental companies. You guys know that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How many car rental companies, startups do we know about? So, so, and I hate to even call the car rental space a niche because it's a $40 billion market, which is pretty darn big, uh, even within the realm of the travel space, you got to think about it. Some of the, some of these fleet management systems that car rental companies are just SQL databases or Excel databases where they're actually managing where the car is going and where it's located and how it's being depreciated. And mind you, these are hundreds of thousands of things that are actually pretty complex. Those are simple use cases where there are some pain points, traffic tickets, toll violations. There's one company servicing this that's really flying under the radar, right? But these are opportunities to disrupt, right? Uh, MVR checks, looking at people's driving history, like simple, simple, simple things that do exist and probably could be done better, um, I, I think are great opportunities to talk about. I mean, about. How, co how come we haven't seen like a new like Zipcar? Like we were talking about um, Silvercar, which I'm going to be using in the first time. Um, but I was like, you know, I was telling you know, Mike um, before the show got started, for example, like in my neighborhood in New York City, there's areas designated for zip car parking. Like imagine like how they were able to even like parking is a premium in New York City alone. Oh, yeah. Now you're res <laughs> reserving spots in the streets for a company. Like why isn't why aren't other people innovating on that? And, I like, think that a lot to do with because of the ride sharing that's available. It, it, it's zip, probably a big part zip of it. Zipcar preceded that really. It solved that problem. Because right. now you don't need the car on the, street, I, on the street. It'll be there. In I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I use Zipcar less than I used to because of ride sharing. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 it's a simple fact, right? And, and, it, and it comes down to money, right? Buying the assets is expensive. 
period. Right. And if you think of, you know, Hertz is a $10 billion company, they probably have two, three times that in assets. Mind you, because they have so many cars, they can borrow money at such a low rate. So really the barrier to entry there is cost of capital and assets, right? Terrible use case to go out there and say, I'm going to start an airline as a new startup, or I'm going to go start a car rental company. But people do though. Right, yeah. right, right, right. I mean, it's so you think of Toro, right, which is a super interesting platform. They're trying to kind of be the Airbnb of uh, of, of car rental, but um, that that would be one example. They've removed the dependency on the asset itself, but uh, it, it, it's 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 a challenging proposition, especially with debt being so expensive. Liability yeah. involved in these things too. I mean. Well, that's true. That that as well. You know, the, the thing that I think of. In terms of uh, a huge hurdle, and, and it's something that was always faced that hurts, and every, every car rental company has to deal with this, is that you're renting different, you know, you're renting different products every time you go and have an experience. So today, I might go uh, and rent a Toyota, then I'm going to get a BMW, then I'm going to get a Kia, then a Ford, and, and each one of those companies has a different group of people trying to design the infotainment system, the dashboard, how it all works. And yeah, you're not going to be able to figure out a way to handle the dashboard and changes to push button versus a key and all these different things. But infotainment, just trying to listen to the radio. I mean, I definitely have gotten in a car and just thought, all right, I'm going to find the one station and then I'm not going to deal with it because it's so different different from what I'm used to. I don't have the time to spend wasting uh, dealing with this infotainment system. So I'm not going to find satellite and I'm not going to find all these things. But hey, if there was a startup that had a way that I had an app on my phone and whatever car I went into, the things that I preset up on my phone instantly became usable on inside the car across the board. That'd be huge for the cardinal spaces for a, for a repeat uh, customer who is getting a different kind of car all the time and wants the easiest experience to just have five minutes of joy when they're in the car to just listen to, uh, Hair Nation or or, uh, or Ozzy's Well, that's or a whatever. really interesting data play anyway, if you think about it. Imagine yeah. imagine that in some way the car becomes personalized for you no matter which car you go in within that particular Radio, car company. Seat, heat, all so that. whatever city you're in, whatever car you're in, you walk in, it's, you know, hey, Mr. Culver, you know, uh, you know it just displays Hightailer. You know, do you want to listen to the Beatles? Do you want to listen to this? This is, and you see all your selections. It already knows everything you want. So, so are these the, is this Burger the opportunity? Nearby, you know? Is this the opportunity then for like a startup to come in and say like, "Hey, Hertz, like I can create this for you, and you can buy me." <laughs> for a couple hundred it's an opportunity dollars. for someone like Hertz too, though, because think of the data that a company like Hertz could gather. By interfacing with the personalization right. preferences yeah. of the users in ways that they don't have access to now, holy cow! Yeah, I mean now, now with the with the emergence of all these OBD two dongles and all these things you can stick in the car, there is sort of emerging a singular language to communicate with an onboard computer on a car. So there is definitely an opportunity to harness that, use the language, and figure out how to communicate. You know, your mobile device communicate with the car when you get in it. I mean, it's a uh, was, did you ever see the movie uh, Demolition Man? It's uh, it's an yeah. old movie with uh, yeah. Sylvester what, Stallone. When he sits in the car, it says configuring vehicle for new driver, and yeah. immediately he has all these sensors, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's making it personalized for him. And um, we're probably not that far off of that sort of thing, but but this would be your personalized <laughs> settings that you take with you and right. bring them into a car. Hey, they made the sneakers from Back to the Future. I know. Uh, right. two or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and those actually kind of exist now. So I don't see any reason we can't do the demolition. Thing yeah. <laughs> So, so what are some of the trends that you're seeing as it applies to data, you know, that 
travel companies should be aware of and should be looking at for opportunity? Sure. I, okay. So great question. So one of the things that I think is a trend and it's a longer term trend is that people are going to eventually take ownership of their digital assets. Today, they say, not interested. Um, I've spoken to people who I've said, hey, how much would you sell me your W-2 information for? And they'll go, what? And, and, and for the, the number on the W-2. And I go, okay, well, just for the record, there's a company out there and it's a rather large company is selling that information for $10 a transaction every day. And they're like, what? And I go, yeah, that's the data business. It's all tens of billions of dollar industry transacting this data. Don't you want a piece of that? I think that when it comes down to the conversation around personalization, getting to know your customer a little bit more, how do you get them more engaged in wanting to own their data, right? And you see products like Travel Wallet come out there, but then the airlines block access to Travel Wallet to their platform so they can't actually get the data. That's a great way to engage your customer who really just wants to know what's going on with their program and know what's going on with their portfolio. But I think as long as there's a push and pull between I, airline, I, rental car company need to own these digital assets, you're, you're not going to be able to engage your customer as much as you should. But I think that's going to be the macro trend we'll see in the next 10 years or so. That's great. Very succinct. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear a little bit less about the company, a little bit more about the humans behind it uh, as we get into off the beaten path right after this. Hi, I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Funny People Talking. And the other host is... Danielle Beckman, that's me. That That's the other host. And our producer is Elsie. Say hi, Elsie. Hi. Okay, so you know how I know something's funny? When people laugh. <laughs> Every time they laugh, you know it's funny. So that's the key to knowing when funny people are talking. Because when you say something funny, people laugh. And you know what? On the show, funny people talking, people laugh. <laughs> Apparently more to me, Danielle, but you're still very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Check out Funny People Talking. It's a podcast on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. And it comes out every Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Me I, too. Yeah, you know what happens when you enjoy it? You laugh. <laughs> oh, the beaten path. All right, Chance, uh, we're going to do a little bit of off the beaten path where we get to know you a little bit more as human beings. <laughs> Uh, and I'll lead it off, uh, Anthony, just to get into the spirit of, uh, of how we, how we do this. Um, we don't have any questions in mind in advance. They're generally driven by the conversation we've had. So guys, uh, obviously you both have a chance and have had a chance to drive a lot of, when you're traveling and just in regular life. Uh, what is something that, uh, you, how do you like to spend the time when you're driving? Do you tend to talk to people? Are you taking meetings? Um, but when you're not working, let me ask the question again. So when you guys are driving around, when you're not on business phone calls or whatever, how do you like to pass the time? Do you listen to talk radio? And if so, what do you like to listen to? Or what's the soundtrack that's in your car? Sure. I love the question. So uh, first off, I love to drive, right? And and I've always been an avid driver, manual transmission, you name it. Um I appreciate silence. I, I, we live in New York, right? Uh, you go home to your family, uh, everything. You've got a cell phone in front of you all day. 
in a car, you have an opportunity to put everything down, just focus on one thing and just kind of get one with yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge comedy guy. So if yeah. I've got Sirius on, I've got the five comedy stations I listen to and I'm going back and forth between bits. <laughs> um, I love music too. I mean, I joked, Hair Nation. I mean, look, I'm, I love I love hair metal. But but podcast-wise, I mean, again, I still like to, I still like to laugh. So uh, a nice, you know, I like the I like the Bill Burr podcast. It's great. And I like Freakonomics Radio. Freakonomics Radio, uh, I read the books. I think the insights are great. And, you know, being into data and, and how it can be used or interpreted, such a great they, they do such great stories in there um and uh, they just finished one on the uh the the economics of sport which yeah. was great uh, i love it you should check out a podcast that we do and that i host on this on mouth media network called funny people talking i heard the commercial for that and I, uh it sounds like something i would like to you check should out. check it out i think you so, get a and this one, out of it. and this one i'm going to be listening yeah, to yeah of course, your travel is your of, course. of course my <laughs> new favorite yeah. <laughs> and by the way if you're listening to this now you're already listening to it so. <laughs> well done <laughs> score <laughs> Check. <laughs> yeah, great. So, a, a little bit more. Like, I know you like to to mentor people. Like, can you go a little bit more into that? Sure. I mean, I, I always said that um, if I didn't do this job, I'd probably want to be like a high school guidance counselor. Um, I, I coach a lot of youth sports. Um, I love working with kids, and I like trying to help people get better. Um, I've never been a win at all cost kind of coach. I'm always I always look for those little moments in each kid's life that that takes them that they're going to remember that they can say remember i remember when that happened that was great and um so so didn't you help like coach a team to yeah win, there's uh, there's uh there's hackathons we i've done hackathons with hertz and silicon valley and then i'm sort of on my own um there's a high school hackathon at this at this uh, really great high school called bergen county academies in new jersey they run the largest high school hackathon in the country, and it's all student-run. And these, these are some very brilliant kids down there. And I've, I've had the opportunity to mentor a few years at the hackathon. Had a, had a team of, uh, had a team of uh, these uh, young girls. They, they won uh, their category for building and designing this uh, concussion protocol. App. And it just it feels great to see people succeed and to know you had a very small part in that. Um, I, I love seeing people succeed. Uh, I like to succeed myself as well. But um, it, you take a real joy in, in having kids. I've got four kids myself and, and trying to help them succeed at every step of the way. It's just it's very fulfilling. So, And how about you, Teller? What, what inspired you to get into the travel business? I, I, so it's always been a personal passion. And, and, uh, Did you grow up traveling as a kid? You know, funny enough, I actually grew up in rural Missouri. And I, I never left the country until I was 20 years old. And I did a volunteer trip in, in Mexico where I worked on the, the border for a couple of weeks. And it changed my whole life. It, it gave me a whole new perspective on um, you know, how a different part of the world lives. And uh, kind of got rid of some of my own personal ignorance, and I just kind of wanted to continue to grow in that space. And that's a, that's a huge thing that Taylor said about see how part of the world lives. A lot of time when you travel to places, you're a visitor, you're a tourist. You don't actually experience the way people live. Um, I had a I had a really great experience when I was in high school myself. I was a I was a foreign exchange student, so I lived in Zimbabwe for a year uh, back in 1991, 92. Uh, it literally changed my life. If you if you whoop, 
If you can believe it, uh, I was cripplingly shy uh, prior to really going away. And uh, I know. Who you? I know. It's, it's, almost, it's almost as obvious as you living in Zimbabwe. And, and so the, I talked about the people earlier and meeting people. And, and the friends that I made there are still some of the best friends I have to this day. Um, and it's the world has gotten to be a much smaller place. They're spread out all over the world, New Zealand and, and London. And some of them are still in Zimbabwe. And, but it's some of them are in the U.S. now as well. But uh, it's great. Are you guys car guys? Absolutely. I yeah. wish. What I do you drive? Was. Me? I drive the subway right now. <laughs> as wow. we all do. So right? you're the one responsible. <laughs> I, I, I actually. Right can now, somebody create a program or something that can fix the subway? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <Just like> startup. <laughs> well, that. You know. bring in a guy from Toronto or something to run the subway system or something? <laughs> I come from a family of car guys, but I'm, uh, I'm not one. Uh, but I'll say this. I've never really defined myself by the car that I drive. I've yeah. driven a Honda Civic or whatever. But when I rented a, a Hertz Penske GT Mustang, I felt pretty damn good about it. And it was <laughs> awesome. I mean, Hertz has had some phenomenal custom cars made for them. Right. And I was I was in San Francisco and I was in the car. And I was at a traffic light and just this guy in the corner says, hey, nice car, man. Is that yours? And I was like, it is this weekend. And I, was, I felt really good. Isn't, isn't that the best part of like car rentals though, right? Yeah. Like as, as, especially as New Yorkers, like you're just like, oh, I'm riding the subway every day. Like, oh. like yeah. you know, people that are visitors think it's like this glorious experience and you're like, okay. Brace yourself. <laughs> there's, there's, there are a few things that attract a crowd, like a really nice car. Like when, when there's that car sitting there and, and you're like, hey, go ahead, look in, sit. And people yeah. just come and they want to get in there and feel yeah. it and, and feel that, feel that seat. So let me, in closing, ask, uh, as we often do of our guests, uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to share a, a final thought or reflection. You can reflect on the conversation we've had or on uh, the, the data possibilities and in industry out there in general. Uh, why don't we start with you, Mike? Anything that you'd like to share not, with the audience? Not specific to data, but anyone who's listening to this, my advice to you is do not be afraid. Uh, the, the, the negative consequences of trying something are usually very small. And the, the benefits, the potential benefits are huge. Uh, most fears are unfounded and just, just take the plunge, just go do it. And you're going to be, you're going to be a much happier person. Uh, yeah, no, I love that. And, 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 and kind of in the same vein, uh, I, I think that the rental car space is super neglected right now by innovation and entrepreneurship. You know, I, I want to kind of have a call to action of entrepreneurs looking at that space to really take a second look at it because there are some cool things that you can do in that space. And I, I welcome them to reach out to me directly. So, uh, Taylor, how can people connect with you and uh, Xenodata? Yeah, of course. So you can come right to our website or you can find me on LinkedIn, just Taylor Colmer. And that's Xeno, X-E-N-O. D-A-T-A. Correct. Dot com? Uh, Partners.com. Oh, Xeno Partners. Xeno Data Partners. Xeno Data Partners. Yeah, I'm Dot trying to add as many syllables as possible. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Uh, Taylor Culver and Mike McDowell, thank you very much for joining us on Travel Is Your Business. Uh, best of luck. Sounds like the path ahead is is bright and wider as you go. Yeah, thank so you. Thank you, guys. This Thanks, was awesome. Guys. This was great. And uh, thank you, Anthony, for joining in. I uh, really appreciate it. Great job. Good job transitioning thanks, from. Thanks. Uh, I know those other guys better watch out. You gotta. You, I know, right, John? John Matheson. You're kind, of, you're kind of an attaché already. So, uh, you, know. you got elevated. <laughs> and thank you all very much for listening. You, you know how much we really do appreciate it, and we'll see you back next week for a brand new guest, a brand new story, and another episode of Travel Is Your Business. Until then, I'm Mark Rako. Have a wonderful day. 
This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.